welcome to Afterthoughts. This is a recommend or refute. I think that was shorter than previous. Um, where we tell you about something we recently watched and we recommend it to you. Or we tell you it's horrible and we refute it. Um, maybe more in that second category. We'll find out. Uh, I am your host tonight, Ryan King. Uh, and with me, we have uh, our regulars, John Garcia. Hey, hey, I am happy to be here and talk about a classic fairy tale we can all relate to. That's what I'm bringing. I'm okay, excited. this sounds very okay. unlike you, John. All right, let's see. Uh, Where's the bait and switch? <laughs> yeah, we, we feel like we doubt it. <laughs> what are you guys talking about? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. And the, uh, the other voice you hear is uh, Michael Dixon, trademark. Trademark. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I am a corporate product, uh, Michael Dixon, uh, owned by the Disney Corporation. And I just say what they tell me. Yeah, we, we know that. That's been established. <laughs> <laughs> me shitting on Disney is their way of creating, uh, you know, false, uh, you know, bad publicity against them to, you know, make it seem like there are people who are against what they do. And then people are more okay to watch their movies. Yeah, they're pulling from yeah. the Colonel Tom Parker book. Uh-huh. Obviously, yep. yeah. Say, it's like the, the dictator can't have 100% of the vote. He needs 98. Exactly. It yeah. looks legitimate. <laughs> you get it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, with, uh, let's get started. Uh, John, you, what is your fairy tale that you are bringing? So, uh, Sasha and I, well, first of all, I'll just set the stage here. This week has been pretty fucking rough for me. Um, I had to go to the ER and get a bunch of pills and, you know, I'm fine, everybody. It's fine. I got drugs now. It's good. Um, but I was basically on bed rest doing a whole lot of nothing. And uh, Sasha was like, generous enough to just say, Hey, we can watch whatever movie you want to watch. And I was like, you know what? Pick a movie, go ahead, go to the shelf. Let's just do something. She went and found this, uh, movie called freeway. It's a 1996 film starring Reese Witherspoon and Kiefer Sutherland. You know, don't it bother you? Your own wife bring off all them strange guys for money. I make her use mouthwash after oh, you like that minty fresh taste. Totally. Sheriff's department. You're under arrest. We're totally fucked. Just after you left, the pigs came and pinched Mom and Larry both. And my, my parole officer showed up like a motherfucking plague to take me off to foster care again. It's like last time. So, uh, what'd I call you? I'm sorry, my name is Bob Wolfe. You the guy that's been killing all them girls on the freeway, Bob? <laughs> if you're anything, I'm gonna shoot you so many times! You know, you should just let me out of the car when I asked you to, Bob! We are not here to talk about me, Vanessa! We are here to talk about you. Get your goddamn hands off my anatomy. Is that you, Bob? I, I, I can't believe such a teeny wee little gun makes such a big mess out of someone. Mm. Um, and it is produced by Oliver Stone, uh, directed by Matthew Bright and written by Matthew Bright. And it's a modern day telling of Little Red Riding Hood. Okay. Uh, it's fucking wild. I think it's probably the definitive version of Little Red Riding Hood for me. Um, I don't think that I can watch any other Grimm's fairy tale bullshit interpretations. I don't want to. Um, basically, Reese Witherspoon comes from a broken home in uh, somewhere like around Los Angeles, I feel like. Um, she is, or it's a little bit south of Los Angeles. Uh, her mom is a prostitute. Her stepdad smokes crack. They both get arrested by the police and she is left alone to be picked up by child protective services. She runs away and starts to flee to grandmother's house. And it turns out there's a serial killer on the loose who's murdering prostitutes off of the uh, interstate. And she gets picked up because she hijacks a car 
And uh, who would pick her up at Kiefer Sutherland, whose name is Bob Wolferton? Of uh, course he <laughs> is. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, and over the course of like the first act, there is just kind of this gradual descent into madness where Bob Wolferton is re- revealed to obviously be the big bad wolf. He is the serial killer. And uh, she has to kind of fight for her life to get out of that situation. But it doesn't stop there. She like fends him off and then gets locked into juvenile detention and charges are pressed against her because Bob Wolferton is actually a child psychologist who's a good man by day and all this other shit. So she becomes just wrapped up trying to get out of the system. The whole movie is about her trying to escape a system that is actively like not benefiting children and Mm. keeping them locked away and uh, taking the sides of the evil adults. Um, And Reese Witherspoon is completely fucking unhinged for all of it. She's like, smashing people's fucking heads in and threatening people with knives. And it's the most brutal version of red riding hood I've ever known. Um, and the whole movie, Sasha and I were like, where the fuck does this movie go? I mean, we, we have to get to grandma's house at some point, but Jesus, (laughs) what is going to happen? Um, and it, it takes like basically the first few bits of the story that, you know, crams it into the first act. The second act is all kinds of wild shit. The third act is a slow ramp down to grandmother's house and it ends in a similar way. That's absurd. But, uh, all along the way, it's gruesome. It's gory. It's fucking just really raw. And I, I never expected to see something like it. Um, I was gripped by it. Uh, so I, I really fucking loved that movie and, uh, I would recommend it because it's definitely not an interpretation you're going to see anywhere else. And I don't know why it was made or like hmm. what prompted anybody to be like, yeah, we're going to do this. Um, but it was, it was great. And it was, uh, Kiefer Sutherland is a, a fucking schmarmy fuck in this movie. He does a great job being a piece of shit he and does uh, making well. you, yeah, making you want him want to see him go down. And it's great to, to just watch that whole vengeance tale. So, uh, yeah, freeway was wild. There's apparently a sequel called freeway Two: diaries yeah. or confessions of a trick baby. Um, I was just looking at that on IMDb starring Natasha Leone. Yeah, which I also have on 4K <laughs> and oh I have God. not watched yet. Uh, but yeah, I watched this freeway was a was a 4K restoration and um, was like the uncensored or not rated version. So had even more gore than I guess what made it to theaters. And I didn't it didn't seem too over the top or anything for me. But hmm. hell, uh, it was it was wild. So your, your sequel is Hansel and Gretel. So you got to keep. Oh Keep yeah, going. that's yeah. <laughs> I've heard the sequel is completely something else, so I'm not surprised. I've, I've been interested in watching that. Actually, it was on on my list. Um, oh yeah. So yeah, it definitely sounds. It, it it's weird to me that the second one even got made and that it has a decent cast as well. Yeah, like, was I this am, supposed to be yeah, like an is, anthology series? Yeah. Well, the the first one got two thumbs up from Siskel and Ebert, so you know, oh, man. it's got at least two people that liked it. Music by Danny Elfman. Yeah, Danny Elfman did the oh, score, and it was okay. whimsical at times and oddly yeah. dark at others. Dan Hedaya of Blood Simple is in it as a detective. How yes. is how is he? He does a great job being a heartfelt detective. His partner detective is like a weird, cocky piece of shit the whole time, and. Th- I don't understand what some of the characters make decisions in it or they act a certain way where you're like, what exactly is your goal? Because you're clearly provoking this person that would not have been provoked had you not do what you did. Like he literally goes into a woman's kitchen and he's it's like somebody who's um, related to Kiefer Sutherland. And he's just like, 
you know, your husband's murdering people or like some shit like that. Or, and, and he just throws hard facts right at her face and it throws her into this distress. And, uh, Dan Hedaya is like, what are you doing? Like, why do you keep doing this? Yeah. He, he makes no apologies for it. He's like, I got to go find her and tell her again that her husband killed a bunch of people. <laughs> I thought like, we were doing bad cop, bad cop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> are we not the LAPD? I'm so, I'm so confused. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a lot of characters that make like wrong decisions, but whereas in other movies, I'd be really frustrated by that and be like, Dan, H- I'd be the Dan Hedaya of it. What are you doing? Uh, and this, I'm like, oh, fuck, he said that. No way. Yeah. <laughs> it it generates that kind of like popcorn sort of uh, uh, like, oh, something's about to happen. What the fuck is this about a uh, moment? But yeah. To the extent that you feel comfortable spoiling things, uh, is there, I imagine it's not just a straight allegory of Little Red Riding Hood, right? Is there some sort of twist? on the fairy tale that makes this worth diving into as a, you know, doing something different with that story. Um, it's the amount of, so there's not really a twist in terms of where the narrative ends and begins and some of the middle too, but there is this, uh, <laughs> contemporary. And when I say like the middle, I mean like uh, at the end of act one is like, okay. all right, she's on her way to grandma's house. Where's she going to go through the woods? Yeah, of course she is. She meets big bad wolf for 10, whatever the fuck. Um, it's that that act two chunk that's really fascinating that makes it really compelling because you get an entire contemporary picture of Little Red Riding Hood, whereas I always picture her as, you know, the, the fairy tale little girl running through the woods and she has maybe a happy family. I don't remember the Grimm's piece of it, the dark shit that's in it. Um, but here it's like, oh, she actively comes from a broken home. Little Red Riding Hood in this movie um, says several times, fuck pigs, and oh. is actively like just sneering at anybody who's a cop and they all represent the system that oppresses her and all the other children who grew up in like poor, poor families and poor homes who've been incarcerated and are suspect to the system. And so I feel like it has that interesting through line of like adults, not believing kids, but also kids in like the foster care system, kids in, in kind of these other, uh, not their home situations where, um, the system can just chew them up and spit them out, or they're the subject of experimentation by doctors and like people who have fancy degrees that claim to know them. And that was really where it kind of gripped me and the twist I felt it put on what Red Riding Hood was. So not just a simple like go to grandma's house and get there. Um, all of the obstacles put in her way are from real world systems that kids have to go through, uh, which was fascinating. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. What's the, uh, if you're making a part three, what's the fairy tale we go for? Because it does feel like there's these constant, like, modern tellings of it that have kind of all been crap, but this one actually sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, what, the second one is Hansel and Gretel, then... Yeah, the, so what's our, the, what's our third one? The Three one? Little Pigs. Yeah, yeah, the third one would be The Three <laughs> Little Pigs and Big Bad Wolferton is back. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, it would it'd be something like It's that. a ten-minute short, you know, there's the not a mermaid. lot of story there, but... <laughs> <laughs> he huffs and he puffs, etc. <laughs> oh, he blows all right. He blows big time. <laughs> but yeah. Um, well, listeners out there, what do you think the third freeway movie should be based on one of your beloved fairy tales that's way darker than you remember? Maybe the third one is Lost Highway. Oh, that could. Oh my god. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which I believe came up between the two movies, but the ignore intersection. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Prequels, sequels, wherever they fall. Yeah. Mm. There you go. All right. So let's say uh, a recommend, John, for Freeway. 
That's right. And you're gonna you're gonna watch Freeway Two, maybe. I am gonna watch to Freeway us. Two. Yeah, I'll let you know how it goes. Uh, well, I watched uh, not a family movie, um, but I did watch some crap I found on Netflix. Uh, I watched classic Out- Ryan. <laughs> yes. Yeah, this is another, I could have watched something decent, and I chose to watch something else. I gotta get you a uh, shirt that says that. Have you watched The Green Knight yet, Ryan? <laughs> yeah, we watched The Green Knight. He, watched, he, was, too, he was high, I was remember? too off. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but you don't remember it because you're too high. I was 10,000 yeah. miles in the air and 30,000 <laughs> miles in my mind. <laughs> 10,000 miles in the air? Dear God. Yeah. Were you on Bezos' no dick plane? <laughs> <Yeah. it? laughs> um. So we watched the outlaws, the out dash laws. My parents just emailed that they're coming to our wedding. Oh, I get to meet your parents finally. Are you psyched? You're not psyched. Are you psyched at all? Is there any psych happening? Sitting on top of the world, I'm up. You haven't met this woman parents yet. They've been off the grid the whole time we've been together. What's going down, baby? What's up? Hey. Billy and Lily McDermott. Meet my parents. Pleasure to meet you, Neil. You're very attractive. Well, oh, thank you. That's not a compliment. For me, it's too much. I think your parents are on my bank. You can't be serious. They knew the voice activation code to get in the vault, which I'm pretty sure I told your mom about when I was wasted. She left me roses by the stairs. Thank you for your cooperation, Owen. Does the name the Ghost Bandits mean anything to you? Most notorious bank robbers in American history. Your parents. Five million dollars from me. I don't understand. Was Owen right? Which is a supposed to be a pun on the in-laws, but makes it impossible to search for this movie uh, mm. if you're trying to find it because a million things have been named outlaws. Uh, the outlaws, this... jo- Josie Wales. I was going to say yeah. Josie and Wales. <laughs> <laughs> this is a 2023 straight to Netflix. Uh, so you know it's quality. One and a half hours. <laughs> so we're cranking it out. That's probably part of the reason I watched it. It is a Happy Madison production, but it has absolutely nothing, as far as I can tell, to to do with Adam Sandler. The basic plot, and by basic plot, I mean literally the plot, and it never really attempts to do anything to pretend like it's a mystery. Uh, our main character is a bank manager. He is getting married shortly. His in-laws are completely mysterious people he's never met and no one really knows or have ever showed up. Uh, They show up, proceed to rob his bank, and I think we're supposed to think, ooh, maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but it's so fucking obvious. Uh, And slowly it's it's revealed that they're bank robbers and have always been bank robbers and made some getaway from someone they previously had dealings with and shit goes south from there, I guess, as they're now coming there, coming out of hiding and putting everyone at risk uh, by robbing the bank. It stars Adam Devine. Is that how you say his name? Yeah. He's from, yeah, he's from uh, the Righteous is, Gemstones. Workaholics. Show. He isn't, ri- yeah, Workaholics is like yeah. his major thing. Yeah, he is in Righteous Gemstones. One of the other Workaholics guys is in here in kind of like a bit part. Um, and I, I don't watch the Workaholics, yeah. so I don't really, yeah, I don't really know. Um, Pierce Brosnan is his father-in-law, and Ellen um, Ellen Barkin is his his mother-in-law. Uh, Pierce Brosnan's fucking hilarious in this. I like Brosnan when he plays like an off type or something. Like he clearly was just kind of having fun with it, uh, and I think that worked. His parents are played by Richard Kind and Julie Haggerty, 
And to Love me, that. that's the best fucking thing. Because as soon as I saw both of them, I was like, ooh, yeah. anything Richard Kind's doing, I'm in for just all the scenes with him. I'm like, this is great. I love it. Uh, so that was good. <laughs> like the the side characters. Um, Michael Rooker plays a, I think he was in the FBI. It's one of these movies where it's not really important. He's just mm. the cop on the case as far as it's concerned. Uh, he's funny. He's, you know, he's playing a character. You know, it's kind of just like a, a, a you know, classic kind of like, oh, it's the FBI guy that won't give up and he drinks too much and he left his, his wife left him and, Kind of that shit. Yeah. yeah. Turned up a little. Um, weirdly, it 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 tries to be funny. At times I laughed, but it never really fully gets to something actually funny. I will say, except for like when Richard Kind is on screen. <laughs> oh yeah. <it's laughs> like Richard to. Kind and Julie Haggerty are doing anything it's funny or saying anything. That was all funny, and that's definitely what I laughed at. Some of the Pierce Brosnan things I thought were kind of funny. The back half of the movie turns into like an action bank, like breaking into banks and robbing kind of thing. Then I'm like, don't know if it was really earned by the first half of the movie. Just sort of a weird transition to that. I will say, and I'm I'm probably stereotyping your parents, John, but I feel like you do it anyway. Um, yeah, always. This feels like the kind of movie I would call, like my parents would call me and said that they had watched and was absolutely hilarious. Um, that then you watch and you're like, yeah, all right. I mean, mm. uh, yeah, there's a except joke here there. in, yeah, in the reverse, I couldn't possibly call my parents and say, Hey, you should watch this, even though it should be a movie they would absolutely think was hilarious because there are such way fucking out there sexual jokes <laughs> that have no bearing on like what's going on really and funny. enough that it's like uncomfortable. Uh, one, <laughs> I would say the, the one that's funny and this is probably the funniest thing when they're his parents are meeting his in-laws, they're all having a lunch and it's one of those like uncomfortable situations and they're all starting to get like a little drunk and the in-laws are kind of like pushing the point. Julie Haggerty is like, ah, once I was in an orgy uh, before I had you, I was in an orgy and everyone like everyone like kind of drops or whatever. And mm. she was like, yeah. Dan Marino was there. Like, that's how I met Dan Marino. <laughs> and uh, then the, you know, Adam Devine's character is like totally embarrassed by this or whatever. And she's like, it was normal. That was the normal thing or whatever. And Richard Kind is like, I was in the car. <laughs> I, I didn't go in. I was in the car. I didn't, I waited to pick her up. <laughs> and like, and then it comes back like again, where they like, he's like looking at pictures of himself and he's like looking at pictures of Dan Marino. He's like, is Dan Marino my dad? Like <laughs> that stuff was kind of funny. And that, that's like on the line where I'm like, that's okay. Like it's kind of inappropriate and like, but I'm like, my parents would probably be like, all right, it's kind of funny. And they don't <laughs> dwell on it too much, but the, they, when the, one of the banks, they go to rob the one that has like the top, top security. Uh, the character there is just like a little too over the top. And she's just like insinuating shit. And then she like goes to open the vault and is like orgasming sounds like as she's uh, opening it and just like jokes that just come off of like just way too far stuff. So there's when his in-laws first come in, he's like on the phone with his fiance and she's like pretty much like, oh, we're going to I'm going to have sex with you later tonight. And he's like, oh, all right, all right. And then the conversation like keeps going too far like a little bit too much. And uh, then after he hangs up, he's like kind of dancing around in the kitchen, like talking about having sex with her, but it goes like 
too far too much. And then the in-laws are behind him and they overhear it and he's embarrassed. The concept is funny that he's talking to their daughter about having sex with her later and then turns around and they're there. That's funny, right? Like that legitimately mm-hmm. yeah, fits. Yeah, joke, solid uh, like, setup. Yeah, there solid joke. But I'm like, they took it. And I do think this is like, I, I don't think Adam Sandler legitimately has anything to do with this movie or the He's writing a producer. Of it. I, I but checked. I feel like his company pushes this kind of shit. Like, I feel like that's the, the company that's making it. Yeah. He's like going for that, like that that's the style now. Uh, Adam Devine's not that great. <laughs> um, he, he never gets to be like sympathetic where like he's supposed to be the like normal clean guy and all this nonsense. And then he gives in and robs banks. But I'm like, never really cared. That's why he's like him. an Adam Sandler protagonist. Yeah, exactly. Like it never really hit. And I, I spent a while trying to think about like who I would have wanted in that role that probably would have elevated it. And I really couldn't come up with anybody. And I was yeah, like, I don't know. It's not a well written role. Yeah, it's just not really there. It's just not really that good. Um, the review, the, now I, I'm going to say I don't recommend it. It's kind of clear. I'm refuting it. it. It's definitely like a middle of the road. Like there's some interesting things. It takes some interesting choices. It's a movie, it's put together. Um, when I went to look at the reviews, the, the critics are like pretty much like, yeah, you know, whatever they crap shit out on Netflix. The, uh, audience reviews are horrible. They absolutely hated this movie mm-hmm. and they all have a personal beef with Adam Devine, <laughs> John Hamm or something. And I, I was really, I mean, so many, I, they're like, how is this guy getting work? This thing's fucking terrible. Like, why is he getting to make movies? And I was like, I didn't think he was that bad. And there were a lot that were like, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. And I was like, boy, like John and I could take you on a ride. Yeah. If you think this is a bad movie, yeah. like <laughs> it's not anything to write home about. But I'm like, it's not a that, bad that's like the movie. Invocation. It's not the worst thing you could possibly see. <laughs> the- yeah, that kind of complaint is like the invocation of us, Ryan. We're like the Krampus of <laughs> terrible yeah. movie experiences. We will like come and get you <laughs> and show yeah, you things really you've never give you something. Because like, yeah. I'm like, it's a coherent plot. It, it makes sense. It goes where it should go. Like it fits within it. It never really, you know, plays outside its lines. Um, that I'm like, that's not, that's a movie that's functional. I'm like, you watch <laughs> things where you have no fucking clue and it gives up on everything partway through. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like, and it honestly had like a couple funny things. Like, I give it like a eh. You give it an eh. Yeah, it's like an <laughs> eh. It is. It was so close to. I would recommend this to my parents, but no, oh, wow. not really anyone else. Like, this is you. You you call your parents that are looking. They've watched everything, you know, because like, they have all the time in the world after retirement, mm-hmm. and they're like, they have all their subscriptions to everything, and they watch whatever. Like, this is probably in that vein. If it was like more appropriate to an older audience. I think, I think I'm still going to recommend it to my millennials. dad. I mean, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, maybe. I wouldn't be surprised if I hear about it. Yeah. <laughs> it does seem like Hollywood has been trying to make Adam Devine a star for a long time now, and it just has never worked. Like, I liked Workaholics. I, I watched it when it came out, like when I was in college, and I thought it was funny at the time. I don't know that I would think it's funny now, but I was like, when it was first airing was when I was like a, sophomore in college or something and was watching it with with my friends as it was coming out um it seems like the other two guys have never really been pushed as like comic leads but adam divine keeps being cast in stuff that maybe isn't quite right for him and i don't know like he's he has this just kind of stupidity about him and Mm -hmm. i like i think that's on purpose right that's what he's trying to do but 
if that works in workaholics because he's just playing a stupid stoner who works at a telemarketing company but like it doesn't i don't know that it you can like really carry a you know a movie with a long plot with a guy like that i remember they they started in a movie alongside zach efron a few years ago about like oh it's called mike and dave need wedding dates that's right. i don't know how i remember the name of that movie it was terrible <laughs> like it was really stupid and i don't like they but there was for a while they kept trying to do that there was a comedy central show after workaholics went off the air called like adam divine's comedian party or something and that he would just like show up on stage for a minute and leave and then they would have random comics come up and actually tell jokes and i don't know why his name was attached to it and it just seems like they've been trying to you know monetize adam divine in some way post workaholics and i don't know why he is the one that they've chosen like i feel like Blake is a little bit more um, just kind of a relatable guy and more um, just kind of fun than, than Adam Devine was. But I don't, I don't know why he seems to be the one that Hollywood is yeah. trying to push on everybody. I feel like you get those stereotyping where it's like, oh, he seems like a guy you can plug in as the main role. Uh -huh. And the others are like second, third bananas. And they're just relegating him to be that just based on like whatever, you know, whatever yeah. the decision is. Maybe because he he's more like classically attractive that they feel like they can put him in those roles. And yeah, like, maybe. I, don't, I don't know. Maybe. And I think he probably would be fine as like an offbeat character mm -hmm. and, and not the main guy. Oh, also this movie, I was, I totally forgot this until right now. This movie was like, oh shit, we need some black people at the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, you know, and being like honest, it's two white people getting married. So their parents are going to be white. So most of our cast is white. Like that's you kind of at that yep. point, you fleshed out your cast when you made that decision. Uh, the main villain is. East European Balkan question mark. Okay. <laughs> One of those. So also white. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like, I, I don't know. But yeah, I guess. Uh, and so the other people that work at his bank. So everyone that's underneath him. <laughs> is oh. black just so we can have some side characters because we need oh some which is yeah which is is that where Lil Rel Howery comes into play yeah he's just like his friend like yeah and and I was like oh man when you look at it through that lens you're like wow this is a really fucking bad decision but I can see where someone someone was like oh crap <laughs> it's all white people <laughs> shit cast somebody <laughs> in some other role uh, I did I figured it out Pat and Alice Walt that's like that's the you know, he's probably like oh, that's too old cast. to be a young fiance you know yeah. or whatever but i'm like that he can play the like straight normal person and then when things come unhinged he can come unhinged mm. and it's funny and you care for him like you know he's a schmuck or whatever lovable right schmuck or yeah whatever it would work like that's kind of what it should be yeah that makes sense so I saw that Dean Winters of Allstate Mayhem fame is also in Dean this. Dean Winters uh, of Hellraiser 6? How does he fuck up this movie? <laughs> uh, by kind of just not being in it. I was oh, kind of disappointed good. by that. Uh, he is in the first bank that they rob where he's like the bank manager. And the, the whole thing is like, oh, that's the bank we can rob because he's a lazy bank manager. And oh. he... Instead of following the rules where you're supposed to like bank, 
your money at each bank separately. He has the truck go around to all of them at once. So if we just get it at the last one, we can rob it all. All It's like six banks at once, right? Is he like, I'm a lazy bank manager. I don't follow protocol. Protect yourself from mayhem <laughs> yeah, like me. Yeah, protect yourself from me. I don't know if he Sounds even like actually Homer has Simpson any lines. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he even has any lines, actually. Like, they show him in the, like, montage while they're talking about breaking into his bank. And then hmm. when they go into the bank that day, he's back in his office with a VR headset on. Just, uh, <laughs> I, I want to say probably watching VR porn, I think. Oh, um, okay. Just digital Dean Winters. Maybe he's in the Congress. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that's it. Like you, He's in those scenes where he's like in the montage being dubbed over and in the background on VR. And that's it. And I was like, well, that's disappointing. That's all. Yeah. He could have done, done so done much more with Dean Winters. Yeah. Yeah. He was in John Wick 1, goddammit. He was, yeah. <laughs> so, all right, Dixon, what did you bring us around to something? <laughs> what okay. <did> you, <laughs> around to anything. Uh, John did give a recommend, but, you know, yeah, that's that true. sounded kind of shitty. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey. <laughs> uh, I watched a snooty art film because, uh, of course, I did. Um, so, a few weeks ago, we talked about A Man Escaped by Robert Brisson, who uh, I think is an absolutely fascinating filmmaker. I've been reading through Paul Schrader's book, Transcendental Style and Film, that discusses Yasujiro Ozu, Robert Brisson, and Carl Dreyer. And I have gotten through the Brisson section, and I have been brushing up on a few of his movies recently to kind of hammer home some of the points that Schrader uh, has been making. Um, fantastic book, by the way. Super interesting. But um, I... You know, we watched A Man Escaped for the podcast a few weeks ago. Then I've been reading this book. And then I, in this past week, I watched Diary of a Country Priest, which I had seen before. And I had not seen The Trial of Joan of Arc. So that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Um, it's only an hour and five minutes long, so that's cool. You kind of get in and, and get out. Um, this is kind of mid-career Brisson. It's 1962. Um, I think there there have been a lot of adaptations of Joan of Arc that have taken that story in different ways. And um, actually, Dreyer has maybe the most famous version, which is The Passion of Joan of Arc from 1928. That's a silent film. And it's a fascinating silent film, and it's told mostly through close-ups on these actors' faces. And it's very dramatized and over-the-top and kind of the opposite of anything that Brisson would do, but it's a fascinating film and um, covers a lot of the same ground that Brisson's movie does. Like uh, neither of those films talk about really the life of Joan of Arc. It is from you know around the trial and the execution of Joan of Arc, where these stories center. Brisson's movie is told very in a very straightforward fashion, as he is wont to do, and all of the dialogue is taken straight from the transcripts of the trial, which is pretty crazy that. This trial took place in the 1400s and like we have doc, it's like very well documented on like exactly what was said at each point in the trial. And he just takes that dialogue and builds it into a screenplay and shoots it in a very 
documentarian uh, kind of style. And, you know, in, in typical Bersonian fashion, it is very um, straightforward and emotionless for a lot of the movie. Um, and then culminates in this really powerful emotional moment at the end of the film. And, you know, it's it's a movie kind of like A Man Escaped where you know what's going to happen, right? It's you know what happens to Joan of Arc and it's it's going to happen. You're not going to avoid the burning at the stake at, at the end of the movie. But he's still able to build tension in a fascinating way like he does in A Man Escaped and end the movie in this really um, incredible climactic scene that is just overflowing with emotion. Um, a lot of his movies are about, you know, stripping away emotion as much as possible and that kind of leading to like creating more emotion out of the viewer than you would have if the characters were going over the top and emoting. And, um, you know, Brisson viewed, um, you know, over the top acting as um, something that would take the viewer away from, take the viewer out of the movie. And, you know, the camera kind of strips away all the bullshit and the lies and, you know, that the viewer can sense when somebody is not being themselves. And so he wanted actors to just kind of be who they were, read the lines and um, that you could get more truth out of that as a viewer. And I think that's a really interesting approach and it works really well in the trial of Joan of Arc. Florence DeLay plays Joan, um, you know, not a professional actor as, as all of Brisson's um, models, as he calls them, are. Uh, but she's fantastic in the role and um, really great movie. If you're curious about Brisson, it's um, it's one that's a little bit more approachable, I think, and it's only an hour and five minutes, so it's not too much of a time commitment. Uh, it's on Criterion Channel, and I'm not sure where else you could potentially watch it. I found a Region 2 DVD uh, that I, I was able to, to watch at home. So, <laughs> But uh, I would definitely recommend The Trial of Joan of Arc. The... the interesting to talk about bringing out the emotion more because like mm -hmm. how are those performances compared to what you would expect from a more uh someone else's courtroom drama from a kenneth branagh yeah i mean <laughs> yeah. you know most courtroom dramas are filled with passionate speeches and, and right. people getting very mad about justice and blah 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 and this is uh you know models reading the lines in a very um matter of fact manner and i think it actually it works really well with the transcript of of the actual trial like joan of arc in her responses does not really come across as a victim she comes across as she's like in command of the situation and she is determining what she wants to say and it will only give certain pieces of information and and she feels like she's more in control of her own trial than the bishops that are are putting it on at the same time she can't escape her fate, right? It's always going in that direction. But I think Brisson's particular style worked fairly well for this, especially just using only that exact dialogue from what was already written down. And it's, you know, I think it, it makes you think more about what these characters are experiencing inside and the turmoil they're going through when you're not distracted by outward displays of that and it, it's like Brisson's films are a lot more interior and kind of like peering into like the soul of his characters rather than focusing on the um you know the the outward expression of them 
Is there a crowd involved in any of this or does he negate the crowd from, or does the crowd just not emote? Cause like I, I envision, yeah. you know, trial of Joan of Arc would be either you're going to have a crowd, you have snooty bishops, you have a crowd, <laughs> the crowd is just constantly jeering or doing whatever the fuck the crowd is. They're played up emotionally. And then, you know, Joan stoic in some way, but if it's a Brisson, I anticipate you usually wouldn't see a crowd or the crowds off to the side doesn't have as much of a, a play into the interaction, like capturing the intimacy of the trial between prosecution and defense. Yeah. Um, it's shot in a way where you're really just like focused on Joan and the prosecution and you don't like, there are other people in the room, but they don't get a lot of screen time. And there are times where you hear the crowd like yell something or get frustrated about something, but you don't, see their faces um and then toward the end of the movie when the trial goes outside and and they go to the execution they don't like you can tell there's a crowd there because of how the um bishops are directing their gaze but you don't actually see them on camera mm, gotcha interesting like the oppenheimer trial it's like behind closed doors king yeah. style <laughs> i mean i I think from what I could tell, it seems like it was a fairly public trial. And there was a featurette on the DVD about like, you know, the history of Joan of Arc, that historian talking about, you know, her entire story that, you know, the movie's just about the trial. They talked about kind of her upbringing and, and time in the war, in the war and all this stuff. And, you know, it sounds like the, the English were trying to kind of make an example of her and, and discredit her. And so they were trying to make it this big public thing so that, uh, you know, to kind of quell rebellions and to not make people I identify with Joan of Arc. As they always try to do. Mm -hmm. Fucking English. Yep. Damn English. I thought you were going to say the French rebelling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that too. Yeah, that's there too. <laughs> um, this is a little bit off topic, but still historically relevant. Uh, is there any movie that's related to the events of that one pope being exhumed and put on trial? Do you, do you oh, guys oh, know of like anything? That. Can we get the Brassand? I, I would love know. to see a Brassandian version. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I either want to see a Brassandian austere version of that, or to see like, uh, like a stupid horror movie version of it, where like he actually comes back from the dead and then goes on trial. That's the yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were gonna go with like the few good men or like a John Grisham trial where they're yeah. like screaming at the skeleton. Yeah. Tell it to the jury. Tell them what you did. <laughs> that would be funny too. Yeah. I think that's historically how it went down. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. He has no answer. You see, he sits in silence. <laughs> sits on the throne of lies. Can we get Clint Eastwood? Oh, <laughs> That would yeah, be great. Uh, <laughs> be to talk to Obama's empty chair. <laughs> oh, uh. God. Damn. Well, that sounds um, fascinating. And it's also, you know, again, an hour and five minutes. That's a fast watch yeah. for, you know. Very easy commitment. It gives you kind of a feel for Brisson's filmmaking style. Um, and it's really powerful. Like the, It hits emotionally really well at the end. Like a lot of Brisson films do um, where it's like you don't really expect it to come and all of a sudden the emotion hits you up on the side of the head in the final scene and you're like, oh, holy shit, like this is, you know, this has all been building to this and I didn't realize this is what it was doing the whole time kind of thing. He, he really reserves those moments and just hits you hard when he can. Mm -hmm. Damn. Where does this fall in your Brisson ratings? Yeah, it's a, I, so I've never 
disliked a Brisson film and I haven't seen all of his movies, but uh, for me, this is probably kind of middle of the pack. Brisson, my, my favorites are A Man Escaped, Larjan, and Mouchette. Um, but Trial of Joan of Arc is, is probably in that, that next tier. Nice. All right. I think that brings us to a close. We have a recommend for Highway. Freeway. Freeway, highway, freeway. <laughs> lost highway and totally. freeway. It depends on <laughs> yeah. it depends on what part of the country you're from. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's true. Highway, freeway, freeway. Uh, <laughs> freeway. <laughs> I'll never call it Avenue freeway. Costello bit here. Jesus. <laughs> freeway, and maybe a recommend for freeway too. Uh, all right, yeah. got to it. Be, to be determined. <laughs> A refute for outdash laws, the outdash laws. <laughs> is it called outdash laws? The outdash laws. <laughs> the out the, colon the outdash laws. <laughs> no, it's, no not. it's not. There's no way. <laughs> uh, and a recommend for trial of Joan of Arc by Robert. No Brisson. colons, no dashes. Rasan knows how to keep. Yes. Um, also, the Passion of Joan of Arc is great as well by Dreyer, silent film. Um, but yeah, the trial of Joan of Arc, uh, is, is what was discussed here today. <laughs> All right. What about the Mila Jolovich? <laughs> so uh, not Paul familiar. W.S. Anderson directed? Yeah. Or? <laughs> not familiar with that one. There's okay. an Ingrid Bergman, uh, Joan of Arc movie that I'm interested to watch. It's, it sounds like that would be very different, but yeah. I'm, I'm curious. I wonder when out. Greta Gerwig will do Joan of Arc. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah that'd be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, all right. Well, that uh, that closes us up. I've been your host, Ryan King. And with me tonight, we've had John Garcia. Um, always on the lookout for another Freeway movie, folks. Send me your scripts. Send me your ideas. <laughs> I'm now in the corner of Freeway, but I don't actually like real freeways. Fuck those books. <laughs> <laughs> There's a sign in John's lawn that is, says, like, more lanes does not, or more lanes equals more traffic. That is correct. Yeah. Uh, to be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That is Ask true. the folks of LA. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> it's not open. Awesome. And then also with us, Michael Dixon. Thanks for putting up with our bullshit. 